Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. So in case you haven't noticed, we've been in the Gospel of Luke for a long time now, 17 weeks. Maybe you'll remember way back in late June when we read together at the end of Luke chapter 9 that Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem. That was the turning point for his ministry and everything he said from there on while he was traveling. Jesus has been taking his time, but also moving quite intentionally into the hands of those who will kill him. In these last few chapters, Jesus has been teaching on forgiveness, then faithfulness, and now thankfulness. Today we hear that Jesus is on the border zone between Samaria and Galilee. Now, there weren't border signs back then, like we see today when we cross from state to state in the car, now leaving Tennessee, and then 50 yards later, welcome to the Tar Heel State. In fact, where Jesus was standing that day, there were no barbed wire fences, there were no walls marking the territories, but we can be sure that the border between Samaria and Galilee was known to the travelers. I don't think it's an accident that it is put into our lesson today. When David was king and all the great nation of Israel and the promised land were united, it was one and the same. But over the centuries which followed, barriers arose, walls of bitterness, misunderstanding, prejudice developed between the tribes causing relationships to be separated strained, lines to be drawn, until finally there were Israelites and Samaritans. With the ensuing hatred, the Israelites didn't mind for a minute calling the Samaritans at best half-breeds and at worst enemy. That is the line on which Jesus stands today with his face set toward Jerusalem. You know, there are places where uncertainty is the norm, where security is just a word and not a way of being, where no one is sure they belong, where communities are not deep-rooted, there's fear and mistrust, no one really has a sense of custom or norm, folks don't truly have a sense of place. Those are border places, and I imagine that each of you can think of some where you have stood in your life as well. Maybe you navigate them even now. While Jesus walks along this border, our story throws a second line of demarcation in. Let's hear it. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Keeping their distance. You know, there was no greater fear in those days than mycobacterium leprae. Not that those words were known, but that's the bacteria that causes leprosy. In fact, until the mid-20th century, when the disease became treatable and then even curable, leprosy was considered a worldwide health problem, a plague. It was so dreaded at this point in history that cultural and religious laws were made and enforced to literally separate, to marginalize this group of people. So on the border that day, those 10 lepers a nice label, by the way, under the law were unable to get within 50 yards of anyone who didn't have the disease. 
Whenever possible, they even had to stand downwind. They couldn't go into public places. They were banned to a special room to hear prayers in the temple. They certainly would have been shunned from any clean home, any clean table. Oh, and there's one more thing. Lepers were obligated to call out, unclean, unclean, whenever they were near other people. Can you imagine having to publicly announce whatever dreadful ailment you were dealing with all the time? If you had to cry out, contagious, influenza, mononucleosis, meningitis, or, or maybe other things that are rightfully painful and truly very personal. So these 10 human beings stand at a geographic border and on the far side of a physical border, superimposed due to their disease, and they cry out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now at this point, Jesus, as usual, pulls out his manual on healing, plugs in the program, runs the algorithm on... Well, no, he doesn't do that, of course. Jesus has no formula, no program, no template, no map of order or operation for how he heals someone, and I find that fascinating. We've read at times that Jesus tells people to come to him. Come unto me, all ye that travail and are heavy laden. We know that he's healed with physical touch. We know that he healed a woman who simply touched the hem of his robe. How about that time he spit in the blind man's eyes to restore his sight, or poked his fingers in the ears of the deaf mute to restore his healing, excuse me, his hearing and his speech? One time he made a little paste out of clay and saliva again. Ooh. And he put it over the eyes of that blind man, and he was healed. He talked to faithful parents to heal children from afar without the children even being there. So this time, today, Jesus doesn't say, come unto me. Instead, he says, go. Go and show yourselves to the priests. Because the priests, back in those days, were the ones to proclaim you clean. Now, let me just go on the record to say that this priest is glad not to be tasked with that job today. We're very grateful for our medical professionals. And if Cheryl or Gray or Philip had to proclaim illness banished, we might be in some trouble. Now, last week, I preached at 8 a.m. and also up at St. Mary's Burgaw. Like you, I appreciated our preacher, Fred Clarkson, at the 9 and 11.15. His perspective on how courage and faith are interconnected, all relative to that tiny mustard seed. I mentioned in my sermon that according to Greek language experts, the phrasing of Jesus' comment was more like this. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, which you do, you could say to this mulberry tree. In other words, Jesus wasn't quite chastising the disciples for their lack of faith, but reminding them that that even a tiny bit of authentic faith, which they already had, was more powerful than they could possibly imagine. That they and you And I do have that mustard seed within us, that seed of faith that that gets activated and used in powerful ways. Now, I don't want to pretend to know or understand or, or even guess why Jesus healed who he did while he walked that long path towards Jerusalem why some people even today are healed of their physical or or their mental illness 
while others seemingly are not? I don't know. I don't know. But I do know that in our gospel today, Jesus told 10 people afflicted with leprosy to go, and all 10 of them, all 10 of them went. And on the way, they were healed. I do believe that's God's grace, evident in that moment, where all 10 exercised their mustard seed of faith, and they went. I mean, if I was standing here with a terrible affliction, and I've already called out, unclean, and I'm downwind from you folks in the front pew, gratefully, I'm sure, and I cry out to someone maybe sitting up there in the choir loft who I've heard might be able to do healing miracles, and I say, have mercy on me up there, and I hear back from the choir loft, go. I wonder. I wonder if I would. I wonder if I would go or if I might cry out again. Why did you say go? Can't you help me? Don't you see I'm in pain right here? Could you take just a minute for me? Wouldn't that be reasonable? But 10 out of 10 of them go. And as they went, 10 out of 10 of them were healed, were cleansed. Huh. God's mercy, indeed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give God praise except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Kind of makes me wonder for myself, out of every ten times I'm blessed, how often do I go back and praise God? Once again, today, it seems with Jesus that the one who is the foreigner, the outcast, the unclean, from the wrong side of the tracks, on the other side of the border, is the very one example he gives on how we should do things right. We don't know what the other nine did with their blessing. Maybe they went home for a meal with their family for the first time in years. Maybe they took a nap without pain. Maybe they got a chance to walk through the village, through the streets, to talk with their neighbors. Maybe they told others what had happened and how wonderful Jesus was. We don't know. But we do know that they forgot to say thank you to God in person when he was right there. Let us pray. Dear God, we come to you this day in humble gratitude for your word. Thank you for showing us the way, for calling us to the borders where we are taught your mercy is deep and covers all people, that the mysteries we still don't understand do not include knowing that you love us, all of us, Holy Father, thank you for this community where we can be vulnerable, where we can cry out and have hands ready in support and encouragement. Grant us opportunities to share our community broadly. Make us examples of what gratitude looks like in our lives. Ten out of ten times, we desire to praise you, God, for we understand that we are made clean in your Son's sacrifice of love. Amen.